Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. That moves from being a commodity to being time well spent. And people are going to spend more money with you because they're getting that bit of experiential stuff than if you're just providing a, a basic service. We want to get our call service reps off the phone because that's costing us money as opposed to looking at the entire customer side of that experience and how much time they invested before that call and after that call. I've not met any organizations in my career that have had any measures of, and I'm now trying to be careful with my words, of customer time. Ryan, seven years ago, mate, yeah. you and I started debating things. Yep. And it has manifested itself into this podcast that has now had a half million downloads. We've written a book called The Intuitive Customer, and I want to have another one today. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, the first one that I, I remember vividly, we, we were sitting in, I think it was the Akron, Ohio airport. It was. Waiting to uh, to fly back out after an engagement. And and in those seven years, I don't recall that you've won a single one of these debates. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate that you keep trying. I do. <laughs> Yes, we'd just been to see a client, hadn't we? And yeah. we were discussing things. And, and yeah. this is actually, dear listener, how these, literally how these podcasts started. Uh, because Ryan and I, when we first met, we started discussing all this stuff. So me from the practical side, Ryan from the academic side. And we just had such really interesting discussions and just had a good laugh as we did it that we then wrote a book and then went, actually, we don't want to stop these discussions. Why don't we do a podcast? And that's what we've been doing. So there has been a really interesting take on things from Joe Pine. Joe was on the show just after Christmas this year. I know Joe for years because Joe wrote the first book called The Experience Economy, that started me off down this whole route. I, I literally read that book and I thought, wow, I went to see my boss. Uh, I won't bore you with the rest of it. But we had Joe on the on the show uh, just after Christmas. So we'll put a link in the show notes talking about sort of predictions. And Joe said something to me about, or said something on the podcast about time. And he broke it down into three categories which was time saved, time well spent, and time well invested. And it struck me afterwards, and, he, and it, he's talked to me about this before, and he's written an article, by the way, and again, we'll put a link in the show notes to the article. He's talked about it to me before, but it's, it's, the way I, I position this is, it's a bit like the first time that I listened to Professor 
Daniel Kahneman where he was talking about the peak end rule. And I thought, bloody hell, that's a really good point. So it wasn't in the case of Kahneman that memories are important. It's it was a it was sort of taking it down to that next level and talking about the peak end rule. With Joe's uh, comment, it it made me think, yeah, there's really something here that I want to debate. And you'll be glad to know, mate, I chose you to have a debate with. Uh, let's be honest. You didn't have a lot of other choices, people. Who to sit, <laughs> sit down and talk with you for half an hour about this. But I'm happy to. Yeah. Good. Hey, so you sent me the article and... Um, yeah, you, you were really fired up about this idea. So tell me, what, what got you excited about that distinction between time spent or time, what was it, time saved? Time saved, time well spent, and time well invested. So what got me excited was not really the concept of we're talking about customers' time, okay, mm-hmm. Because ultimately you go, yeah, that, you know, we're talking about customer time really, aren't we? But it, I guess it's a, sort of some of the nuances from there that, that I thought was really interesting. So, so one of the things is I've not met any organizations in my career that have had any measures of, and I'm now trying to be careful with my words, of customer time, Mm. the amount of time that a customer has to spend to deal with them, okay? So if we start to talk about time saved or time well saved, okay, what I know is that there are organizations out there a lot, and I would say the majority, that actually, and I'm going to exaggerate to make a point, couldn't care less about the customer's time. Yeah. And my evidence for that is witness the amount of time that it takes me to deal with a problem. And this is where we get into the, and I, you, know, I, you know I'm on a rant now, mate, don't you? So you know you're not going to get a word in edgeways. I'm, I'm not sure that both of us are clear on what a debate is. <laughs> Yeah, you are right. What I needed was someone to just sit there and nod <laughs> and, and and occasionally put their fingers up in the air to say I want to say something that I can totally are, ignore. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna replace myself with just an AI <laughs> of my face just nodding. Just an animated gift. Yeah. No, well the thing that I really value in what you do, mate, is that you you challenge my thinking and disagree with me. So that, that's also what I want you to do. Yeah. Let me go back to I, I interrupted my exaggeration. I, I didn't yeah. mean to. Go ahead. My exaggeration is that mo- the majority of the organizations don't care about customers' time. That is an exaggeration. Okay. So there are lots of time measures, but that's not what you mean, right? So they like call time, like response time, like those aren't what you're referring to here. No. So, I mean, let me give you some some real examples. And this is where the whole focus around frictionless comes in, okay, and and providing an easy customer experience. Those things nod at 
we're actually trying to do things that don't take customers' time. But let me give you an example. I was phoning my healthcare insurance company the other day. They said, oh, we're extremely busy. What a surprise. They have been for seven years. Uh, They've now got one of these systems where, please leave your number and we'll phone you back and you won't lose a place in the queue. Yeah. A day later, I hadn't heard from them. Okay, a day later, a day. Did they care about my time? No. I went off on a rant the other day about a UPS parcel that I was having delivered. Did they care about, do they really care about the amount of time that I spent trying to fix that problem? No. Is anybody tracking it? No. Is anybody measuring it? No. Is anybody turning around and saying, well, this is the amount of time that on average when we have a problem with one of our parcels that customers spend on time, these are the amount of channels that they go down. Uh, This is what our competition do. This is the amount of time that they spend. No, nobody's doing that. Yeah. So it makes me come to the opinion. Now, ultimately, I will get to the point with any of those where I go, I'm leaving my healthcare insurance company because of that or I'm going to not ship through UPS anymore, I'm going to ship through another organisation. But the interesting bit is they don't know that it's because it's reached a sort of a threshold of time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. When firms, and this, I think this is a point that you're, you're making, like when firms measure, like we want to get our call center employees off the call within two minutes or something like that is a measure of time, but that's from the employer or that's from the company's perspective. Correct. We want to get our call service reps off the phone because that's costing us money as opposed to looking at the entire customer side of that experience and how much time they invested before that call and after that call. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so they are concerned with their time. And they're measuring their time, okay? They're very concerned with their time because that clearly adds up to resources and money and everything else. They're not really, really worried about customer customer time, okay? So am I saving time is not really what organizations are being focused on. And that then comes back into, and I'm not just going to go on about the saved bit because let's go on and talk about the other two areas as well. Because the second area that Joe talks about is time well spent. So we have time saved and we have time well spent. One of the things I've talked to Joe about over the years is the difference between a customer experience and the way I, the words I would use is a more experiential experience. And Joe tends to deal in more in the more experiential experience. And what I mean by more experiential experience is I'm talking about Disney, uh, Lego, even a shopping mall where you're going in and there's some form of experiential thing. Now, one of the ways that Joe talks about this is by saying he is in the business primarily of time well spent. Mm-hmm. Okay. And rightly so, he would say that I'm in the business really of time well saved. And that's the difference and the nuance. Because your clients tend to be not in this 
experiential experience space on average. Yeah. So if we're dealing with a water utility, I am not suggesting to them that their field engineers dress up as clowns Mm -hmm. and go out and perform a five-minute play before they go in and fix the the sewerage problem that they've got. Yeah. (laughs) And in fact, to a certain extent, I could see that there is a market for that. Okay. And and an example I would give you... For Shakespeare reciting sewer repairman? (laughs) (laughs) No. So think about... The Geek Squad. When the Geek Squad was set up, and, and, I, and I, I can't remember. So what for our listeners who are not aware, Geek Squad is um, a tech repair, computer repair service. Yes, yes. So it was a tech repair company. I believe it was started in Minneapolis. I can't remember the guy's name. I, I, I used to know him quite well. Uh, he came to speak at a few events that I, I organized. The concept behind it was you're employing geeks and they dress them up as geeks and they penciled ties. They had badges. They had cars that looked like the old fashioned police cars, the black and white cars. The point is it was more theater. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was, do they come and install your stuff? Yeah. They come and install your stuff, but they're also doing it in a theatrical way. All right. Now for me, with customer experience, we've been trying to get to just the the point where things have been acceptable to customers. Okay. And we know we're at a 17 year low on customer satisfaction, according to the American customer satisfaction index. So we're not even there. We're a long way from whether, you know, when you got to that point of everything being equal and everybody doing stuff, then maybe I would be suggesting to some clients that they actually did dress them, their uh, field engineers up as clowns because maybe there is probably a market there. But Joe's point would be that moves from being a commodity to being time well spent and people are going to spend more money with you because they're getting that bit of experiential stuff than if you're just providing a a basic service. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. When I talk to my students about the way customers evaluate things, we talk about benefits and costs. And it seems like there's a mapping here where you know you can make an offering more attractive by decreasing its costs. So that might be decreasing its price. But you can also decrease like time costs, right? By saving them time. Like that's also decreasing costs them, therefore increasing benefits. You can also increase the overall attractiveness by increasing the benefits. And it seems like there's a mapping there onto time benefits where your time will actually be more enjoyable. And so we can increase the overall attractiveness in either of those two two ways would be my interpretation. Yeah, I mean, if you think back to, if you go back to time time well saved, there are clearly numbers of things that organizations already do to try to save customer time. So keeping your details on a website, you know, I mean, that probably has two benefits, one benefit for them, but certainly a benefit for for the customer. If you think about just Amazon, you know, the whole concept of Amazon, not having to go down the shops and buy things, have things delivered to you. And now having things delivered to you the next day or the same day, 
you know that's that's time well spent in the uk we get our groceries delivered you know that's i i that saves me time wandering around the grocery store so there are things that where customers are saving customers time the interesting bit again goes back to i don't think it that they're they're measuring it but the other sort of nuance that i wanted to to mention was so in saving that time how am i feeling so when there are things like health insurance the example i gave you the ups problem i gave you what i felt was annoyed frustrated anxious etc mm-hmm. for experiences that are frictionless potentially i'm either feeling surprised at the beginning maybe for the first one or two times and then i'm not probably potentially even not feeling anything right honest with you. Yeah. yeah and that's where then is there's a and for those people on youtube you can see me drawing a level here that's where you um totally you worth could it, say the hand movement is just stunning it's like ballet with his hands on the screen yeah it's great so so you've got stuff that you know where we are today not yeah. providing great experiences we now reach the point where we are providing what the customer wants i.e you know within the time they want we're not saving them time where it's just meeting expectation it's then that next level above isn't it where you get into that moving from time well saved or time saved to time well spent yeah does that make sense yeah no and i i like that distinction it, i'm sure we can think of exceptions to this rule where saving customers time reliably provides them with positive emotional benefits, like every time, just always happy. But I I think that in general, you're right. I think that in general, saving customers time is a way of, is a more reliable way of bringing them to neutral, especially over the long haul. And then if we really want to push them into positive territory, you might have to start thinking about this, you know, time well spent, where where can can we do things to make the time that they're engaging with you more delightful, more things that they appreciate. Ryan, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Uh, I saw an old Vincent Price movie called House of the Long Shadows when I was a kid, and it kept me awake for days. And if you want to be kept awake for days, the one that scared me the most was the Intuitive Customer podcast that's now available on YouTube. It's really oh, scary. I, I want to change my answer. That's actually the scariest thing I've seen too. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you are interested in getting scared and watching Ryan and I attempt to do a podcast on YouTube, then just search for the Intuitive Customer Podcast on YouTube and subscribe, won't you? We look forward to seeing you there. And when you think about that, that gets into the profitability of an experience. So I am now willing to sp- potentially spend more money with you right? because it is time well spent. The other interesting bit is, and sorry to throw these things at you, you can tell I've been thinking about this. The other interesting bit is, one of the things Joe talks about is time is not recoverable, mm-hmm. which I think is, again, quite profound 
Yeah. It's yeah. something I think about at the end of every one of our debates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a perishing resource. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, Colin's just gone off for rent for me for <laughs> half an hour and I'm never going to get that back again. <laughs> no, he's right. I mean, it's it's arguably the the most precious resource that we have and it it disappears every second. Yep. So it then makes me then think of well, so this is it then becomes interesting again, doesn't it, which is and clearly another one that is of value is money. Yep. Okay. But it's interesting because there is then a playoff with one against the other. So an uh, example I was thinking of is I could fly to Sarasota where I live direct. Mm-hmm. But I, well, I can't fly direct actually to Sarasota uh, from England. I could fly to Tampa, but let's not get into the detail of it. I could fly from from A to B direct, or I could do a stopover. It's going to take me longer. And and in this example, let's just assume that taking me longer costs me less money. Sure. And I may make that decision. So although the time is not recoverable, there are compromises I make. Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean, I was thinking about it from the other side as well, which is, and this is going probably going back pre-pandemic, which is I can earn more money going and working in New York or working in London or whatever it may be, but I have to commute. Mm-hmm. Or I could earn more money working locally. The job doesn't pay as much, but I've got more time. I guess all I'm saying is, it's not the ultimate commodity because you. I'm making decisions about about that. It, it's absolutely true. I think you can make a philosophical argument that time is the the you know most important commodity we have. I, your point though is, do people act like that about their time? No, no. I mean, we've all gotten lost, you know, w- watching things on YouTube or Netflix or or you know Instagram or TikTok and clearly we are not valuing our time very highly when we do that. And like you say, people make trade-offs between time and money all the time in ways that show that they don't value their time more than than anything else. So, and the last one is time well invested. Yes. That is, am I spending my time on things that are going to provide me a return at some point in the future? And I guess training MBAs, education, that type of thing uh, are more in that, yes, I'm spending time doing these things, but actually that's going to give me a return at some point in the the future. Yeah, kind of long-term benefit or delayed benefit. Makes you think about commuting, actually, because I could argue that I could argue that I am taking this job because it's not just about the pay, but it's about the fact that it's going to give me a better career in the future. So is that classed as time well invested? Yeah. And, so and, I, and in fact, Joe's talking about this from a customer perspective. So maybe I'm bastardizing it. By well, but I think that it, so I don't, I didn't remember this being addressed in the article explicitly, but they said no. these three categories 
and give some nice examples of each. So for example, one of the, the examples that I liked, uh, they talked about the difference between Airbnb and Uber, how Uber is primarily in the business of saving people time, right? It's often a lot faster to get an Uber than to track down a taxi. Whereas Airbnb is more about time well spent, kind of more on this experiential. And so I thought that was nice. They laid that out. But the thing that I don't remember being addressed explicitly is I, it's, I'm not convinced that these are three separate distinct categories so much as right. three approaches that any firm might be able to use. So yes, I agree, I agree that Uber is primarily uh, their primary source of value is in saving customers time. And I think that's great. I also think the experience that people have, like whether they consider the Uber ride time well spent also contributes to the value. And for example, I know that there are options on the Uber app where you can like request like to not, <laughs> I don't know how it's phrased, but it's essentially like to request to not, not be bothered while you're in the car. Like some sure. drivers are very chatty and some customers love that. And that improves their, sure. their time well spent. Uh, I'm, contributes to I'm surprised time. that you Others. picked that one out, mate. I mean, uh, that's I don't, just I don't unusual. Uber very often because I live <laughs> in kind of suburban uh, Atlanta. But yeah, I would choose that option every time. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Am I going mad by going, I think that this is interesting? Or No, not at all. I think that anytime you can develop a framework that lets you think about things in a different way, I think that's very useful. And I, I agree with you that I think time is neglected in a, the way that people, the way that firms tend to value their offerings and, and create their customer experiences. For me, it fits within kind of this larger framework of, you know, are you thinking about all the costs and all of the benefits that are you can provide to your customers? If thinking about time specifically provides new insights, that's great. I think that's amazing. My only like minor word of caution would be like, don't get hung up on that though too. Right. So there's a, a lot of times when we learn about something new in behavioral science, I know I do, I think you and I have talked about this and you do too. We tend to like laser focus on it. Like, that's so exciting. Like, how does this apply to everything? And so if you get something out of this distinction between these three different kinds of time and that provides you with insights, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Don't lose sight of the fact that time is not the only thing that matters, even if it is very important. Um, but yeah, you kind of layer it as an additional source of insights. Yeah. No, I think that's good good advice. It's it's never, as we've said many times before, it's never just one thing. It's a it's a multitude of uh, things. But um, I think it is one of those interesting nuances for me. And the more I think about it, the more I I think people aren't thinking about it enough. Not and then certainly not measuring it. Like as you were bringing this up, it did make me wonder. Like if you were to throw this into a regression model. You know, we've talked about the customer ease score and how that predicts a lot of um, the overall satisfaction that people have. You just ask them how easy was it was to. I wonder if you could get good measurements of how much time people were spending, if that would like soak up a lot of the variance in people's customer experience. Like if I could measure how much time overall you're spending and categorize it into time spent, time saved, time wasted. If that information alone, not even asking you about your emotional responses, if just knowing about the time that you spent in various categories would be enough for me to say, oh, this person's had a really great experience. This person had a really terrible experience. I think the answer to me for that, and that is a good challenge, 
the answer to me is again goes back to segmentation. Yeah. Because as I was thinking about this stuff, I was thinking, yeah, and it becomes ironic, doesn't it? The people with more money tend to be the ones that tend to be busier and tend to be the ones that go for the time-saving things. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there's something around, I don't know about you, but I seem to have a lot more time when I was 20 than, than I do now. So again, that maybe there's is something to do with segmentation. But I would have thought no matter where the segmentation is, if I feel that the amount of time that I am having to spend on something is is not meeting my expectation, the emotions I'm going to feel are negative. And if I am thinking that that was time well spent, then I would have thought that the emotions that I'm feeling are going to be positive. Yeah. yeah. You know, in general. But again, the interesting thing is not, not being measured. We hope that this has been uh, interesting. Uh, I would really welcome your thoughts um, because, as as I say, are these one of these things where I'm starting to think about this stuff. So um, we're gonna like, we'll post that article by uh, uh, Pine and Gilmore. Yeah, in the show notes, Absolutely. it's not long, um, and it is interesting, and they do a very good job explaining their ideas. So I'd also yeah. encourage our listeners to to pull that down and, and give it a read. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And if you've got a thought, then let us know. Either drop us a, an email at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Uh, or we will be writing a newsletter based on the podcast and stick a comment in there. Uh, that newsletter is Why Customers Buy. Um, you can join the 70,000 people that uh, now get that LinkedIn newsletter. So just search for that under LinkedIn and, and get involved in the debate because um it's a debate that i'm keen to to have and undoubtedly joe will chime in i guarantee it i hope so i will encourage him to so good okay uh and we look forward to talking to you next week and to spend some decent time with us i make no promises (laughs) (laughs) cheers This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. The Intuitive Customer.